Welcome to the Holy Hive Show, a podcast about Utah culture and life. I'm your host, Jordan Delacruz, here with Dan Lawler. Dan, what's up? Oh, just happy to be back in the studio with you, my brother. Feels good. It does. I feel like I haven't had any human contact outside of work and and my house. In in, ages. In ages. Yeah. And so it feels good to to reconnect with an old friend. I won't miss the echo of my my closet. Yeah. (laughs) Zoom calls were rough. I, I hated doing the podcast over Zoom. Um, which is why we've been gone for a couple of weeks. We've been trying to get this worked out and back into a physical space. And here we are. Uh, before we go uh, or continue with the show, remember you can, uh, wherever you're tuning in, whether whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple or watching us on YouTube, be sure to follow and subscribe so you can keep up with every episode and listen to past episodes. So back in the studio after a month of Zoom calls, feels great. Um, this is just one example of our long, slow uphill climb back to a normal life. Yeah. That, uh, that we've, we've been making this climb for the past almost a year now, a year and a couple of weeks. Um, and it seems like every week, though, things are getting a little bit better. And so in catching up this week, I just wanted to ask, like, have, in the past few weeks, have you, have you made any strides towards normalcy? Yeah, I've made a few. Um, I have reconnected with my family members. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you say that but like you were estranged from them for I, years. I went to my brother's house on, on Sunday. Or on Saturday, I hung out with my mom and sister on Sunday. Nice. We've, we're still we're still um, keeping Zach at a, at a distance, just because you know Zach, but whatnot. <laughs> no, just I because, mean, yeah. <laughs> we've got we've done a few things. Um, I went back to Fisher to uh, enjoy their outdoor yeah. experience. Um, I've done that three times now in 2021, so that's nice to kind of feels like I'm kind of getting back into it. We we were going back in like August, like right before yeah, yeah. it. Right before it started to really uptick again. Yeah, yeah. So this seems to be a better um, a better round of Fisher Brewing experience. Felt better. Um, and then other than that, on Valentine's Day, Annie and I went to uh, see Nomadland in theaters, and that was that was good for a cry. Felt felt pretty good at that one in the theater. Oh, absolutely. I will say it was it was something that her and I were talking about afterwards. Is just like I don't know if we're gonna have to relearn how to watch movies. Yeah, like. My attention span is not what it once was, I don't think. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of, like, I've not been in a dark room watching a movie without, like, looking at my phone or, you know, yes. being able to turn, pause it, and go grab a snack or take a piss or whatever. But, yeah, just an hour and 48-minute movie, which was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, yeah. Felt a lot longer than that. Yeah, you kind so. of develop, like, a bunch of bad habits when all of your movie-going experiences are from your couch. Exactly. Um, yeah. And honestly, I'm, like, that's the thing is before the pandemic in a movie theater, I was like zero tolerance phone use in the theater. Like I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate getting hit with the light in the row in front of you. Like someone pulls out their phone and you get hit with that light. Um, it's really distracting. And now I'm like, do I have to like chill out for the first few months going back into theaters? Because everyone has bad habits now. And it's like we have to be calm and just be like, OK, we're back in the theaters. Let's just let's just try to enjoy it. Um I, f- I feel like I'm going to get frustrated, but I have to, like, kind of curve my frustration. Yeah. You know, I think you'll be surprised with how lenient you're going to be. Like, I don't know if you remember before the pandemic when the Megaplex was doing, like, the trailer, ad, trailer, ad, trailer, ad experience. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were, are still doing that. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't mind it. Yeah, you <laughs> so, kind of missed it. Yeah. You see the, so, the, 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 the curly-haired lady that yeah. always does the Megaplex commercials? Exactly. You know what's funny is, this is such a weird tangent, but that lady, I mean, maybe people who are listening, like some, some people, it's going to go over their heads, but I'm sure most of us who have been in the Megaplex theater know the lady that's in all the Megaplex commercials. She's usually holding like a popcorn bucket or something, and yeah. she's talking about the promotions that are going on. It's hilarious because she pops up in movies every now and then. Like you'll see a movie that was shot in Utah. Uh-huh. And she'll just be like a side character in that movie. And you're like, oh, it's the Megaplex lady. That's so you know? funny. Because you, me, our friends, uh, Sean and Kyle went and saw Alien Covenant down at the Jordan <laughs> yeah. Landing Megaplex. And I'm pretty sure um, we were all surprised to see her walk into oh, the that's theater. that's right. She yeah, was she, at the theater. Yeah, she was watching with us. That was like, so. that was an, that was like an Inception-like experience. Yeah. You're like, whoa, what are you doing outside of the screen, lady? It was um, better than the movie, probably. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the Alien Covenant. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as far as my uh, return to normalcy, I went back to the rock climbing gym. Uh, we've been taking a few months off just while we had that holiday spike yeah. and stuff. And uh, we went back, and it's it's been nice. But I'm really out of shape, so <laughs> I'm happy to be back. And uh, it feels good. People 
are, I mean, like actually the, the restrictions or how they operate at the rock climbing gym is more strict now than it was like before. Yeah. We, like people really kind of buckled down, like everyone's sick of it. So it's like, we're all just going to do this. Sucks that it took a whole year for us to get to that point where we're like, okay, let's take it seriously guys. Yep. <laughs> but, um, but it feels good. Yeah. Um, uh, I, and, but like, I, 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 I have to say I'm probably pretty cool with like another six months of like, just like mask precautions mm-hmm. and, uh, just being safe. I, I think the one thing that I do need though, more than anything is a vacation. Mm. And I, over the past two weeks, I've been kind of planning and playing with the idea of going on vacation and you brought up Nomadland. Yeah. And after watching that movie, like that, that, that movie is about like band dwellers and people that just live out of vans and travel the country and stuff like that. And I was like, huh, that sounds like a great quarantine thing to do is like just live in a van yeah, for, for a little while. And so I think, I think the, the safest vacation I can think of to take right now is like a Yellowstone spring vacation. And there's a company in Salt Lake that modifies like Sprinter vans. Uh, that, and so you can like cook in them and sleep in them and everything like that. And I think I'm going to rent one and just that like, sounds way dope. Yeah. And, and I, and usually it's really hard to get like a hotel in Yellowstone or if you stay in West Yellowstone, it's really expensive even for like a best Western. Mm-hmm. But if you rent one of these vans, you can just pick up $30 camping parking mm-hmm. spots at each of the, and you can just stay at a different camping spot. And I was like, that's like, uh, that sounds like a really cool vacation idea. So I'm not sure if vacations are back on the, on the menu right now. I think it depends on the vacation. Like yeah. I probably won't be going to any like of population centers yeah. until I'm vaccinated. Like I'm not going to go to Chicago to visit family no. or Vegas or, you know, anywhere like that. But the smaller, more outdoorsy focused vacations, I yeah. was looking at, um, you know, going down to, uh, to some national parks or something. Yeah. Cause my, I got my dirty 30 coming up and that's a big question. The loader Lawler household is, yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? How are you going to celebrate? How am I going to do it? So. And you're lucky you got you got to have one of those high population vacations right before this happened when you True. guys went to Disneyland. We left actually a year ago today. I was just looking at my phone. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a year Damn. ago today that we that we left. So. You were you were cutting it close too. Yeah. Like that was. Do you do you remember anything like COVID related happening at Disneyland at that time? Because there was a um, a group of Asian women that were all wearing Corona shirts, like Corona the beer. beer? Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. <laughs> A year later, it's a little dark. But yeah, at the time, they're like, ha it's trending. I saw this on Twitter. Yeah, but but yeah. I mean, no, there was, I. it was definitely in in our minds. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was like, maybe I shouldn't touch so many rails. Which, but yeah, there, it's like, exactly. just, it's, 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 it's as much of a, a railing park as an amusement park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there was nothing too big, though, that really stood out in terms of COVID. Um, yeah. And it's amazing because that was, so if you would have left, how long did you guys go out there for? Like a week? We were we got back on March first, so we had like a week and a half before it. So really like, literally like two weeks before mm-hmm. Disneyland closed for the longest stretch of time since they opened in 1955. Yeah. Uh, That's Kelsey insane. Kelsey Roman, our friend. This is the most friend name drops in a 10 minute span in podcast <laughs> history. But she was there the last day. She was in Disneyland the last day. Oh before really? It closed. Yeah. Dang. So. That's in, that's intense, but really cool. I'm I'm kind of jealous because last year was the first year since 2010 that I hadn't gone to Disneyland. Yeah, and so I'm 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 anxious to get back, but they're still closed because they're just like not messing around mm-hmm. over there. And it's probably going to be a while before LA as a whole is kind of back on its feet. Um, in the meantime, though, we got a lot of outdoor places we can go. So I think I'm going to do the Yellowstone trip. I just really need to like. I don't think I've left the Salt Lake Valley since. Probably like August. Yeah, I think I drove to Bountiful a couple times <laughs> to to the, the the old dispensary down in Bountiful. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I haven't like left the valley. Yeah, and so yeah, I really need it. All right, let's uh, move on to some news. So speaking of mask mandates, the Utah Department of Health has released their exit plans for mask mandates during an interview with Fox 13's Ben Winslow, Executive Director Rich Saunders said that eight weeks after Utah allocates 1.63 million vaccine doses to citizens, we can start allowing low-risk counties to remove their mask mandates. That number represents about half of Utah's total population and about 70% of of the vaccine-eligible population. Currently, our vaccine allocation is just over 400,000. So along with this announcement, 
the Utah Department of Health announced that bars um, could conduct business in moderate counties, moderate uh, infectious, how do, you, how do you say that? Moderate infection rate infection rate or infection risk counties infection rated yeah (laughs) there's there's low moderate high that's all we need to know um and moderate uh counties will no longer have to limit capacity as long as they enforce masks uh when parties are within six feet of each other whether that actually happens whether they enforce that i mean we just saw a story a couple weeks ago where bars across salt lake were getting fined yeah it also sounds like that is kind of mitigating things a bit yeah like it's like you don't have to change anything except for Everybody has to wear masks and they have to be far apart, yeah. which is like, so that's like exactly what it was. The thing they've been trying to get them to do yeah. for the last <laughs> nine months. Um, so, yeah, this this seems like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. I like that they're actually starting to come out with milestones. They're mm-hmm. like, look, here's the here's the map. Here's high risk. Here's moderate risk. Here's low risk. Here's the rewards for getting your county to um, to moderate or low risk. And if we can get everything to this point, then we can start you know, going out in public without masks. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like you, you this, this, this announcement has instilled any kind of hope in you? Oh, absolutely. But not, none more than um, was already kind of there, yeah. I guess. The, the vaccine in December was really the first kind of gleam of hope for me. Um, and then just I've been really, really excited every day to check the numbers, honestly, as stupid as that sounds. Like, I've just yeah, been yeah. like, yeah, well, I'm so yeah. excited because they're just coming down and down and down. Like, mm-hmm. And and that's a, a really nice thing to see. So this is just like a nice cherry on the top. Once I saw the I saw the headline, and it was like Utah announces date for uh, mask mandate ending or whatever, and I was like, oh, shit. It's like going to be next week, yeah. and we're just going to go back into the hole. Mm-hmm. And then it, when they said that it was like 1.6 million doses, it's like, oh. Yeah. That seems like a really nice and that seems like a really nice number. Yeah, it's so. kind of a baity headline where it's yeah. like they got they've announced the date. It's like not a date, it's a context or a condition exactly. that we can get rid of them, which makes me happier. It's like okay, mm-hmm. it's a yeah, and it made me think like if 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 we're measuring each county and saying, okay, here's high, moderate, low risks, we should start rewarding counties or punishing counties for how for how they're doing month to month. <laughs> so like if next month Salt Lake County is still in the high risk mm-hmm. level, then the whole city or the whole county just makes red lights 30 seconds longer. It's like everyone's life gets a little more just inconvenient. Just a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> just a little harder. It doesn't have to be like crazy punishment, but <laughs> um, stuff that we'll notice. And then if you like improve your county, uh, like if you go down one level mm-hmm. from the previous month, then everyone gets a free subscription to HBO Max for a month. <laughs> <laughs> there that's you a, go. That's a good. Uh, that's a good I was reward. thinking the U, the old Utah County Pizza Party, but HBO Max <laughs> sounds better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they get down to low risk, then the uh, what are the young and dumb guys can have they get a to par- throw a party? They can have a pizza party with thirty people, <laughs> and no one will make fun of them. Yeah, and, and and no one can make fun of them. We all have to hit. They're off limits for a week. <laughs> that poor guy. He's private on Twitter now. Oh, I, I feel terrible for him. My heart yeah. aches. Um, let's try to envision something for a moment. So when we do reach this point where they, they say, okay, mask mandates are like, we re- like Salt Lake County reaches that point. They're like, we're low risk. Vaccines have been administered. We have enough uh, vaccines out there. Now you, now you can go out without wearing a mask. What is that first public appearance without a mask going to feel like? Probably stressful, yeah. honestly. <laughs> like, depending on the crowd size, I guess. Like, if I go to a grocery store without a mask, I probably am not going to be, like, that's not going to be as stressful for me yeah. as, like, if I went to, you know, a crowded restaurant, which I guess, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to take your mask off to eat anyway, so I don't know if that even counts. But yeah. it's just going to be stressful. I'm probably going to be a lot more uh, aware of of my breath since I've been the only one really having to smell it <laughs> yeah. for, for the past year. Or unaware of it because it's not something you pay attention to before. But maybe just the mask being off of your face yeah. is enough to make you feel kind of weird. It's a double-edged it'll, sword. Yeah, it'll make you feel naked. <laughs> I feel like uh, people are going to make like weird faces for the first year. Yeah. Because I, I've, I've noticed that like if I'm walking around a grocery store like looking for something, depending on my mood, I've actually taken notice of like what my lower face is doing. <laughs> like... Especially when I'm like looking at people because like if I make eye contact with someone, usually I'll like smile or something like that, you know, make eye contact with a stranger. But now I do it and I feel dumb because they can't even see my face and they'll just probably see my cheeks like puff up a little bit. (laughs) Um, And so like I feel like uh, the first little bit of not wearing masks 
people are just going to be making weird faces because they're not as aware of the lower half of their faces as they used to be. But also, there's just going to be a lot of like food, and oh, yeah. you know, you know, that, that, that we've gone a whole year without someone saying, "Hey, you got something hanging out of your nose." Absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. That was already hard enough to find friends that were good enough to tell you at a booger. I know, like, right? <laughs> imagine now. No one's going to tell you. Yeah. And also, I think people aren't going to remember how to smile anymore. People are just going to be doing weird, like, cheeses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Because all they've been trying to do, like what you said, they were, they've were they just been trying to raise their cheeks to make it look like they're smiling so that people know. Because <laughs> I do it at the grocery <laughs> yeah. store. I'll smile at someone. I'm like, what the hell did I just smile I know, yeah. at that person? <laughs> they don't know. Uh, there's been There's been times where I've been, like, in a hurry, and I've been, like, running around Target or something, trying to get in and out. And I've just gone conscious for a second about like what my face is doing. And I've realized that under my mask, I'm like <laughs> making like a gritting face or like, and, and uh, I'm just like, do I do that when I'm not wearing a mask? Do I make these weird faces? Um, so it's going to be bizarre. And I think it's going to like, it's going to feel, it, there's going to be a little like hum of anxiety, mm -hmm. when, but it's something that we just kind of have to like get used to doing. And I, and when this story came out, I just thought about that. Like how weird is that going to be? Man, things have changed. So a new bill uh, has been introduced to the state legislative se session. This one proposes a new license plate design for Utah drivers. House Bill 407, presented by Representative Melissa G. Ballard, uh, would create a pioneer-themed license plate available to all citizens. Currently, our choices include the Delicate Arch, the greatest snow on earth skier. Actually, I don't know if it still says greatest snow on earth. Maybe it just says life elevated. Mm. I, think it, I think it says life ele elevated. Uh, so the skier, the arch, and in God we trust, which is just like a white yeah. thing with like an American flag, I think. Yeah. Um, so the new uh, new design was created by Nate Shagrud and consists of an image of the bottom of a pioneer wagon with a trail in its path, mountains in the distance, and a piece of sagebrush next to one of the wheels. Um, the design was created with the following visual themes in mind. Uh, whether the transport is a wagon or a handcart is left vague in order to represent different groups of pioneers that made their way to Utah. The view under the cart look, is looking backwards, suggesting that we move forward and can reflect on our past. And <laughs> this is my favorite. And the bundle of sagebrush in the bottom right corner represents the children who perished while crossing, crossing the plains. Pretty dark. It's very dark. <laughs> the first two, the first two are just like bad horoscopes. Yeah. And yeah. then the third one is just like, bam. <laughs> Remember how many kids died? Um, also the bottom of the plate reads, this is the place, obviously. Um, yeah. So you, I'm assuming you saw the design. We linked, uh, put the yeah. article in there. How do you feel about it? I'll say this is the place, but these are not the plates. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I was not a, I was not a fan, no disrespect to the artists that created no. them, but it was very like clip arty. Um, yeah. you know, it, it reminded me of South park. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. that I could see that totally. Um, it's just so busy. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's so much going on. Yeah. Even in that description, it tells you that there's so much going on. You don't mm -hmm. need much to make a nice yeah. license plate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to hammer home a lot of, a lot of like visual themes mm -hmm. and it's like, this is a license plate. Cops need to read this, like yeah. be able to read this. Um, yeah. And the, how this whole bill got onto the, onto the floor is so bizarre to me because it's like, um, it doesn't seem like this guy was commissioned to make a new license plate design. Yeah. In fact, I think this started as a petition and then somehow um, one of our representatives brought it uh, to the floor. I saw the petition. Yeah. It I'll, had 129 signatures. Yeah. I could get more people to <laughs> sign a petition for like <laughs> boogers. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, hey, what's this petition for? Boogers. Sign it's it. Like, oh, like, dope. All right. To get rid of them, just boogers, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, how I, I don't know if like Melissa G. Ballard is friends with the artist, or if there's some kind of connection there, and they're like, "Yeah, that is a good design." Yeah, let's talk about getting that uh, approved. But it makes it made me curious. Like, could we just make a license plate design and then start a, a local campaign with petitions to get? Because like, if 130 signatures is all you need, may as well. Like we could create a pretty badass license plate. Yeah, we may as well try. Um, yeah, but I agree. The the uh, it's just it's way too busy, and I think I, I like almost feel like if there's not a law right now in like in place for like our our entire country, 
there should be of like how how the how visible the letters are. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have like a black on black license plate. No, like you know black letters and stuff. Um, and those like the wagon wheels on each side of the license plate, like have you know the spokes. Yeah. And it's just so busy. It's so hard to read. You yeah, know? you're seeing them from far away most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're looking right up close. Yeah. So it's it's not what you want. So on this on this specific subject, we uh, government iconography and government mandated design has yeah. been a popular topic on our podcast. So I want to know is what makes a good license plate? What's a good license plate? Oh, simplicity is all yeah. that makes a good license plate. New Mexico has the best license plate, I think. It's just yellow. Uh -huh. It's got, like, their little emblem in the middle yeah, it's with like the, the red, red letters. Yeah. Or their alternate one, which is just as beautiful, is turquoise with yellow letters. Mm -hmm. I love the the California alternate, which is black with yellow That's letters. That's the best one, in my opinion. I was going to bring that up. And not because I'm a Steelers fan. As a Steelers <laughs> fan, I like those colors. But yeah. black with the white letters and the yellow California, yeah. it's classic. I also really, really love Delaware's license plate. Very good. It's, like, a te it's like teal with yellow. Yeah. So similar. And even like Arizona's license plate is like the horizon and mm -hmm. there's like a cactus. There's like a purple cactus. There's kind of a horizon line, but all of the mountains and the, the foreground of the horizon is below the license plate numbers and letters. And the cactus is on the side yeah. around. And then the, the rest where the letters go is all sky. Mm -hmm. And there's like a tiny blue gradient, but not that much, but it's not busy. So it's like still, you can still read it. And so yeah. I just like, it's like any of this being discussed. <laughs> I know they need, they really need someone to, to just say, guys, look at it from 10 feet away. And they're yeah. like, oh, I can't see that. I, I feel like if we do this podcast for five more years, we'll be able to write like a very long oral history of Utah's government design decisions. Yeah. And why they're even being brought up in the first place. Yeah. It's like, this is, are these the important things that we need to figure out this year? Um, Anyway, excited to see what happens with that. If they end up getting that, if that license plate passes, will you get it? No, I'll egg every car that gets it. <laughs> so earlier this week, Republican leaders blocked discussion about the possibility of changing the name of Dixie State University. Now, after a pretty laid-back protest by students at the state capitol, the Senate has reversed their stance and now will discuss and debate the bill before the end of the 2021 session. Many community members around Washington County and some alumni have spoken out against the name change. A study from last year evaluated the opinions of alumni. They found that 41% of alumni didn't feel comfortable wearing apparel with the word Dixie on it. And another 22% said that potential employers brought up concern over the word Dixie appearing on their resumes. In an article written by the Salt Lake Tribune, counter-protesters also had opinions to share. Quote, I love the name Dixie. To me, that's my heritage, said Bonnie Graf Peterson, who came with a sign urging lawmakers to honor the name and not change it. Quote, I grew up there. I went to Dixie Junior High. I went to Dixie High School. I went to Dixie College. And if they change the name, they're taking away part of my life, part of my heritage. The name change has received strong support from Dixie State University's Board of Trustees, the Student Association Executive Council, and the Utah Board of Higher Education. So... Um, this is something that is like constantly occurring, not only in our state, but like on a national level, the name, yeah. the big name change, the, uh, the former, uh, formerly, uh, named Redskins, the Washington Redskins yeah. went an entire season as the Washington football team. Yeah. <laughs> and their branding got stronger. And their branding got stronger. And <laughs> it's like the, they literally ch changed the branding so they could put it off. Like the branding was literally procrastination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, we have no idea what to name ourselves yet. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> um, so is this, is this type of thing? I, I think th there's a lot of people like, I guess, I, depending on what it is that they're changing, uh, how people feel about it really depends on their relationship to the thing. I have, I went to Dixie for a while. Um, I didn't graduate from Dixie, but I went there and I like honestly could not not give a shit actually yeah. when i went down there between one one year that i was there and the next they changed from state college to university and i think that just means they um better funding probably yeah they like qualified for something yeah um and i, I know that people like felt weird about that like some people wanted to keep it state college instead of university and it's like no that's the whole point of this thing but um what are the like what are the 
the, the pros and cons of this type of issue? I mean, I guess one of the pros would just be that your 40% of your alumna can wear their <laughs> wear their school's clothing still. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't, maybe I just missed that in the article, but that's pretty surprising that, like, it hasn't been changed yet. If 40% of the people who, you know, have graduated or were, mm-hmm. who were surveyed yeah, yeah. are like, oh, I don't feel comfortable putting this on my, my shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a pretty big deal. Um, also, mm-hmm. just like what you were saying, it's kind of like a constant discussion. Mm-hmm. Um that discussion would end. Yeah. I mean, probably after a little bit of blowback from the people who don't want to change it, whether it be for heritage, which I don't want to discount. No. But like at the same time, Dixie is just like a reference to Southern U.S. It's not like a reference to Southern Utah, is it? No, no that's the thing. It was like, I guess it's because of the, I'm, I'm assuming it's because of the geographical difference between like when you go from Cedar City to St. George and how vastly like the mm-hmm. climate and everything changes. So it's like, the Dixie Dixie was like the southern part of the United States, the southeastern. Yeah, and so they used to call St. George in that area Utah's Dixie. Hmm. So it is a reference to gotcha. the I, I guess the Confederate <laughs> South. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, not even a, I guess at a, at a certain point up until last year they were the Dixie State Rebels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that is a direct like I saw in the article. It's like critics say the name conjures images of the deep south and slavery during confederacy it's like that's purposeful like that can't be conjured like, mm-hmm. like that's slapping you that's not conjuring no images. yeah yeah they're like, they're intentionally trying <laughs> exactly. to like put that imagery in your head and, so um and i and and here's the thing about the the rebels thing i can kind of understand people's uh reservations about wanting to change the branding because they did go from rebels to the red storm mm-hmm. which is like is that all we got, guys? Again, yeah. Utah, as far as branding and design goes, we're not hitting it out of the park every time. <laughs> I didn't realize that they were they went from uh, the Rebels to the Red Storm. I you ask so. a question later uh, for a new name, and that's going to make the new name sound sto- so stupid. I don't want to jump the gun, but I put just call it Red Rocks University. It's the Red Rocks University Red Storm. That's too much. Yeah, too much that's red. a lot of red. <laughs> I do like that, though. I do like Red Rocks University. And I, I at some point, I think that maybe was a something I brought up. Um, I do. Let me see. I was I was trying to look up uh, whether what if it, if Rebels was the only thing um, that, they, that they'd have an, as their mascot. Yeah, I can't remember if they had another mascot in between, but I'm pretty sure it went from Rebels to Red Storm, which I mean, Red Storm, what is that? Yeah, I don't know. Like a sandstorm? That's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) The sandstorms. Um, I I would say Red Storm is even worse than the Washington football team. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) Um, Because it's like, what is it? You know what the football team is. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the other question that I want to – that I think is really important when we're talking about things like this is like whose opinion is like truly valid in the matter, you know? Like I think that's an important thing. Like, okay, like – in America, we put value on everyone's speech, mm-hmm. but there are some people who are probably more informed or more affected by any given issue. So specifically to this, something that's like, as like, like it's not going to like hurt people either way. It's not, this isn't an insane, like Supreme court case mm-hmm. or issue. Um, but when it comes to this type of thing, like whose opinion is valid in this matter? Well, I, the most valid, I think that the people surveyed, um, like your alumna and, and the people who are currently going there and the Utah State Board of Higher Education, all of those people who seem to agree with the name change are kind of people that I would assume have kind of a a dog in the fight, so to speak. Yeah. I was really surprised that this was an issue that was in the Utah State Senate anyway. Like I didn't realize that they needed the Senate's approval to even change their name yeah. or to even discuss it. Mm-hmm. That, is such, that is such an interesting concept to me. I think the approach to that is that if they can get they, – they actually want it written into the state language that, like, Dixie is not something that we associate with state things anymore. Got you. Like, okay. I think that was kind of the approach or the idea behind that because uh, Dixie State University is a public school. Mm-hmm. So there is some there is some crossover with the state. Yeah. And so it's like we just can't use that language in this. And as far as, you know, whose opinion is valid – or the most valid. I'll say everyone's opinion's valid, but like there are some people who are like kind of more affected than this mm-hmm. right, than others. Um, basically, the people that the article mentioned as people that approved of this, like the Utah Board of Education, 
they had, they like have a dog in the fight. Um, the student council, the people that are currently going to school there that will be graduating and representing the university in the next 10 years or whatever. Yep. Um, until we get a bunch of other people graduating, um, the, the board of trustees, like these are all the people that have a dog in the fight. And I remember when they did this a few months ago with Bountiful high school, they, they went from the Braves to something else. I don't think they've, they've made that decision yet. The blue storm. The blue storm, the bountiful blue storm. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Utah branding strikes, strikes again. Um, I remember reading that article, and there was a lot of people, of course, in the comments. They were like, oh, you, I went to Bountiful High, and I'll be brave forever. And it's like the, the – the, 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 I don't know if it was the principal or if it was like a superintendent, yeah. uh, Davis County or something, or something like that. But he was like, I have been spending the last few months talking to the Board of Education – talking to students, talking to teachers, talking to the community. And this is the decision that I've made based on all those factors and talking to our Native American students too. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, those are the people. Those yeah. are the people you talk to about those types of things, people who are currently involved. Now, not saying that Bonnie Graf-Peterson, who was the, a counter-protester at the Capitol, not to say that her opinion isn't valid or that her connection with her heritage isn't, isn't, isn't valid, but like – this change isn't going to change the, the the literal name on your diploma. Yeah. You'll still have Dixie State. You won't even have university on there. You'll have Dixie State College. Exactly. If anything, it's, you know, it's aged worse as we've gone along. <laughs> but um, um, no, nothing's going to, like, change your time there. It's not going to – you can still have the connection to your heritage. But now you're forcing other people to have that same connection instead of the one that they want. And it's like – if you haven't gone to that school in like the last 15 years, then like, who cares? Like you still have your diploma at some point. You probably don't have to worry about Dixie being on your job resume because you've been working the same job for 50 years yeah. or you're going to retire soon or something like that. So while she's, you know, free to voice her opinion and no, no one's trying to take her heritage away from her. She doesn't have to worry about any of that mm -hmm. right now. And the mention, the article also mentions someone, uh, I think it was a, someone on the football team who's an African American student who talked about a conversation with his dad when choosing colleges to play at. And that was a concern. Like, yeah. That was actually like a concern and that some people have turned it down just because they don't want Dixie associated with, you know, their resume exactly. or their, their college sports legacy. So, I mean, I, I understand that alumni probably donate and they probably fund the school in some ways and that, yeah, they should have an opinion too because they're like giving money to the school. And sure, you can buy your uh, buy a stronger opinion. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they're losing out on top athletes and stuff like that because they don't want to be associated with it, it's just going to hurt the school in the long run. Absolutely. So I don't know what to do. I'm cool. With, I'm, I'm I, like, I, I think it would probably be good if they just changed it. Um, yes, I'm yeah. not personally like, oh, yeah, this is really offensive to me. Mm -hmm. But I understand it, like. A person who is like that's pretty offensive, mm -hmm. and I and if even five applications are quest questioned in job interviews because of the name mm -hmm. of the school you went to for four years and paid a lot of yeah. money to, you should change the goddamn name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, it's it's cancel culture." It's like, no, that's like kind of society just like trying to move past things. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to hire you, but if it's like something that gets brought up in like job interviews and stuff like that, then it's just gonna it's just annoying. It's going to be a problem, and it's a name. Yeah. It's like, and I, and uh, Dixie, I know like this is, first of all, it's like the classic thing where Utah names itself after something that isn't <laughs> yeah. ingrained in Utah. It's like, Hey, we're like that racist part of the country <laughs> over there. <laughs> so we're going to call it Dixie because it's hot down here. But, um, this isn't to me as like egregious as like the Redskins thing, mm -hmm. which is like, like <laughs> white people came up with that name yeah. for another group of people <laughs> that yeah. seems kind of messed up you, well the and the thing with that and we don't gotta go on redskins no, no. Yeah, thing yeah, but yeah. like you put any other race's color in front of that and it's like that's automatically racist yeah. you know i mean like <laughs> like you get kicked out of a restaurant sort of racist <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah it's if, not good yeah i think the word skin also skins just after it like yeah. just even if even if you just like called someone a white skin yeah you'd be like wait what <laughs> um, strange yeah, so like I'm just like, who cares? I mean, I I say I say change it. I don't. It's not gonna affect me either way. I went to Dixie State College and University. Um, but dip. like, 
I don't have, I, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't have a connection. So I, my, my, my opinion doesn't really matter, but I'm like, you know, just help people out. Mm-hmm. Let people move forward. Okay. So moving on to our feature today is going to be a lifestyle feature. And we're going to talk about something that is pretty much applicable to anyone listening to the show. Um, and that's social media. And we're going to talk about what our habits are like, how relevant they are, social media is to everyday life, and what social media actually adds or takes away from our life. So the reason I wanted to talk about social media just as a whole, and this isn't necessarily applicable to just like Utah or anything, but this is just kind of like the zeitgeist of America right now or the world. Um, but I decided, me and my partner decided at the beginning of February that we were going to take a month off social media. So, um, and this is something that we'd kind of been gearing up to do because we talked about it and we talked about like, especially around the election mm-hmm. and around all of that and like the, the capital riots and everything that was happening on political happening politically. It just felt like every time I flipped my phone on, it was just like instant sadness mm-hmm. or depression or anger, um, stuff that you just don't want to carry around all day. So we were like, after, after the, the, the presidential transition and everything like that, a couple of weeks cooled off. We were like, okay, let's just, we don't need to be informed about anything necessarily. I can still check local news and stuff. Let's just ditch social media. Um, so before we get into like how that's going, um, what have your social media habits been like over like the past year, let's say? They've definitely fluctuated throughout the pandemic. Like I'm, I've, I've had really big uh, Instagram phases, probably in the summer last year when I was like going out and taking pictures a lot. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's just Twitter these days, unless you count letterboxd as a, a social media platform, which I guess it kind of is. Yeah, I do. Um, I spend a decent amount of time on letterboxd reading people's reviews of movies and kind of adding things to my lists and whatnot. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's just Twitter. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll actually surprise myself every once in a while by like hopping on Instagram in the morning and then like at like, 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. I guess um, that night like I'll just like get on really quick because I'm laying in bed and I'll have a message from 14 hours ago and it's like oh I haven't been on here in 14 hours yeah and that's just not how I used to interact with with uh, Instagram but Mm -hmm. so yeah it's mostly just Twitter um, mostly because it's really non-committal like I can just kind (laughs) of get on there scroll and then get off um, and and that's that's nice you know, I can just tweet a poop joke and move on. Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing that I say. Like, Instagram, I feel like I need to check and see if I got likes on my on my photos and, yeah. you know, that sort posts. of stuff. And so Twitter, it's like no one likes my stuff that much anyway. So it's just like I'll just, I'll just post a stupid joke and then I'll hop mm-hmm. off and it's, it's easy. Um, but that's pretty much how I use it these days is just kind of – backseat not really yeah front of my mind do you check when you when you post a story to twitter do you check who's watched it to instagram or sorry yeah instagram sorry um subconsciously probably yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um i don't i can't say that i have in a minute but Mm -hmm. i probably have yeah (laughs) i know that i used to check it like quite often like i would Mm -hmm. post a story and be like all right who's checking into my stuff who likes me today and but like I don't know if I've done that recently. Mm-hmm. So, how how often or how soon when you wake up do you check either Instagram or Twitter? Ooh, Twitter's probably right away. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Just it's just on. because like it's easier than getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and I've actually before, um, like, I've done this before. I, I'm not currently doing it now because right now I have a wireless charging stand that's right next to my bed, and I probably mm-hmm. need to move it. But there was a time where I was like only letting my phone charge away from my bed so I couldn't reach it. So, like, when my alarm would go off, I'd have to get up. And that was more for, like, waking up and just getting out of bed and stuff. Um, But if it's next to my bed, then it's immediately flip over, grab it, start scrolling. Yeah. And especially over the last few months, like, I was really having a problem with that. And, um, yeah, so, like, with Twitter, it's almost – especially when I'm at work – there's almost a muscle memory that I have in my fingers and the keyboard mm-hmm. to where if I just have like a second of downtime, if I'm not w- immediately working on something or if I just finished something, 
I'll click a browser tab and I'll type in twitter.com and I don't even, I just have to hit T enter yeah. and it'll just immediately go to Twitter. And so like my whole life is now programmed towards going, getting on that website, um, whether it's on my phone or it's on the computer. And when I actually took this month off, I deleted the app off my phone and then I started checking it on the browser of my mm. phone. And then I had to log out of that. And I was like, wait, 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 don't do that. And then when I get to work, I would do it on my computer. And I like literally had to like put stop signs up mm. in my life just to quit hitting that button. Yeah. You know, cause it's like this little IV drip that you can hit over and over again, you hit the button. Um, but like w- what I noticed was every time I'd get on or check one of these things, I would get like pissed off. Mm-hmm. by the time I would get off of it. Um, more often than not, there would be times where I'm like, uh, I, you know, you see some good news. Like, we, we, you know, I guess today, good news would be like, hey, they released the name of the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. That's good news. It's like, <laughs> hey, we're moving forward with the Marvel Universe. That's cool. Um, but most of the time, it was just like people being upset about stuff. And then that would make me feel like I needed to have a say in it, yeah. which I think is like mainly what Twitter is for. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably has more power than we would like to admit as far as like, you know, if, if someone, even it doesn't matter if their take is correct or guided by any kind of moral compass or anything like that. If they have a take, you either agree with it or have a counter take. Yeah. And that's how you engage with it. And we can't, it's so hard for us to just be like, or at least me, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone that uses Twitter, but like, it's so hard for me to just be like, ah, brush that off. They're, they're so misinformed. And yeah. it's like, you know, you have that gnawing feeling where it's like, it's like a nerd. Uh, it's like, it's like someone saying to a nerd, like, you know, who, who do you think would win Darth Vader or Captain Spock? And then they just like cringe and they're just like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about yeah. right now. It's like that type of thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, then I have to actually talk about it. And sometimes it does go to that thing where someone says something about like Star Wars and I'm like, you're misrepresenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it could be that dumb, but it's like always um, kind of driven me towards this like negative feeling. So took a month off, deleted everything off my phone and it, the first couple of weeks were hard, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, like it, it like it, I feel like it's washed off of me, and now yeah. I don't even have the the feeling anymore. And it has kind of opened up um, more of a preoccupation with things like Letterboxd, which is mm-hmm. I I would say a social media platform. Yeah, it's just a super niche social media platform. Yeah, and, and we yeah. we can discuss this later in the conversation, but I think that's where social media will end up going mm-hmm. a bit more is like into these niche because the big problems on social media are just that they are for everyone. Yeah. And so that is where you run into the problem where it's like this person, I don't, why am I seeing this person's opinion on something? Mm-hmm. Um, I've personally gotten much, much better at the like brushing it off, like mm-hmm. oh, whatever, I yeah. don't care. Um, occasionally I'll get hit with that, but it could be whether I've... <clears throat> whether I have just curated my timeline in a way that is either good for me or bad for me. I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess there's yeah. conflicting uh, conversation yeah. there, whether you should create a space that is agreeable mm-hmm. or a space that challenges you. But for the most part, I'm not really concerned about that sort of stuff as much on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'll chime in on, you know, bigger issues, but I mostly use Twitter for like, do I want to keep up with like a big news story that's happening and the jazz game and Chicago Bears QB information all at once? Yeah, yeah. Because that's where it is. It's got like I follow the I follow all my jazz people. I follow mm-hmm. all my Bulls people, my, you know, yeah, all of my sports people and then my news people, too. So it's just like, OK, here I'm caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The scroll does get to be very useless at a certain point, though. Yeah, I agree with that. Where like. I'm like refreshing to refresh. There's nothing new here. Yeah. And I think, and and I think one of their solutions to that, which is kind of uh, made this issue with the constant scroll worse is like a friend of a friend could like something. And if that thing that they liked kind of t- tickles your algorithm, then they'll throw it on your feed. That's where I get the frustration actually. Yeah. Like and my frustration is not usually from people that I follow or mm-hmm. people that I know, I can usually brush that off because yeah. I either respect the person and I'm like, okay, well, that's, yeah, yeah. you know, good for you for having that mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but it's when someone likes something and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> and I think honestly, so I think a lot of people, when they talk about social media and their interactions with it, especially when they're talking about it politically, 
people frame social media as like, oh, your algorithm is tailored to you. So you're in an echo chamber of your own thoughts and your own opinions and stuff like that. And after kind of digging around at what Twitter was showing me, I actually think it's kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. where the things that we engage with the most, and I'm not talking about, I think there is genuinely a difference in engagement and the way that Twitter tracks your engagement. If you like, just click the little heart on something that you agree with versus going down a 20 reply thread with something you disagree with. Yeah. And that stuff, the, the 20 reply thread, which is the stuff that's angering you and making you mad, is going to show up on your profile more. And I think this whole thing, because there was, there was all this drama about censorship on Twitter with uh, people on the right. And I, mean, I wouldn't even say people on the right. I'm talking about like extreme. Yeah like psychos, mm-hmm. on, like political psychos who honestly don't deserve any kind of platform because they, they don't have the public's trust in their interest or anything no. like that. Um, because people were acting like conservatism was being washed away from Twitter. And I don't necessarily blame them for that because I bet most of their timelines showed all the stuff that they disagree with. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, and not only that, but the worst stuff, like, you know, if if I, I consider myself to be somewhat liberal, mm-hmm. but there's a lot on liberal Twitter that pisses me off. Oh, yeah. And is just annoying and is like, oh, I'm saying this for likes. I'm not trying to, like, solve anything or I'm getting angry about this without presenting any kind of solution. Yeah. That stuff makes me mad. Well, I think that that's kind of what social media in general, not just Twitter, but Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, TikTok, all of these things have become is – on a just kind of a general public level, on a political level, Mm -hmm. on a corporate level, it's just used for performance art more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's like, let me, let me like spend 45 minutes doing this one thing so that I can show it on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but it really has no bearing on reality. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I feel like that's mostly political. Mm -hmm. Like it has just given way to so much like bullshit on every single side of every single political aisle. Mm -hmm. Where, like, I just don't know what to trust, like, or engage with at all anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. And it's funny that you bring that up because I I think with politics, it's a lot harder to identify when someone is doing the showboating or the clickbaiting or – because, like, I think political Twitter is fueled by headlines – and not the the content of whatever someone's posting. Mm-hmm. And with if you and this is something that we probably feel strongly about. But when you're talking about film Twitter, we know what accounts and what websites to avoid because they're baiting you. Yeah. Like, uh, what's the what's the CSR? What is that? It's like comic. Something, oh, Screen, screen Rant. Uh, yeah, 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 or something like that. There's comicbook.com, there's yeah, Screen Rant, there's yeah, Cinema yeah. Blend, yeah. all of these bullshit ones. Yeah, and they're always, like, posting these super baity headlines, and then when you actually click through and read the, the content, you realize this blogger is probably a staff writer that got paid 20 bucks to hammer some garbage together. Mm-hmm. And when you actually read through it, you're like, wait, they have nothing that actually proves this headline. Yeah. They're just making an assumption, but they're treating it as news. And film Twitter has shunned all these, yeah, these like, like all these companies. There was the there was that hilarious, uh, was it film clickbait account? Yeah, yeah, that guy was hilarious because he posts those, and he would retweet them, and then qu- he would quote retweet them, and then write what was actually going on. Yeah, so he would clarify them so you didn't have to. And it's like we need something that for like like that for politics. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is, as soon as you do that, it's like oh this. Uh, this fact checker is left leaning or this fact checker is right leaning. And honestly, but like when I get onto Twitter, I see all the stuff that I disagree with, like more conservative posts. I'm like, conservative Twitter is not dead. Conservative Twitter is alive and well. They have stuff trending. You don't need parlor to get like, to like have a safe space. Like you have it here, but I just don't think it's like on either side very productive. Yeah. And it's, um, and maybe it's just politics because film Twitter is actually fun. Sometimes, uh, it can, until it gets political. (laughs) Well, not even political. I do think that one of the things that social media in general has kind of harmed is just discourse. So like, it seems like every movie or piece of art or television show or whatever book 
is now just like, all right, what can I say in 140 characters Mm -hmm. to either dunk on or praise this movie? And the praise is always like very minimally kind of pushed out there into the world. Like it's not as, it's not as engaged with in Mm -hmm. in any of that. And it's usually kind of just the same shit. Like people saying the same thing, whereas Mm -hmm. the dunks are a bit more creative and fun and -hmm. those are engaged with. And I think that that's kind of how social media, like you were saying is kind of set up. Like it is set up and you are incentivized to react negatively to Mm -hmm. things, I think. Yeah. Um, And I do think that there is plenty of positive in it. I always will think that there's plenty of positive in it. You can you can only see so many like crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. you know, like getting funds for 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 like homeless people or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before it's like that is good stuff, but there's a lot of negative here mm-hmm. too. So I mean, you do have to take the good with the bad, and it's a really complex issue that yeah. social media surely wouldn't handle well because there's no nuance there. No, yeah. So it's like something that you really have to talk about and decide for yourself what you really feel is a comfortable amount for you to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like I'm done with Facebook entirely. I yeah. don't get on there to do anything, but like organize my fantasy football league. Cause yeah. it's easier than a group text. Um, I was actually just going to say like in the next part of this conversation, I wanted to rank the big platforms oh, yeah. by usefulness. So the big four, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, those are the big social media platforms. We're showing our age a little bit. <laughs> how come? I think TikTok is bigger than at least two of these. Is that how? Yeah. Is it? Is that? I see. I don't have a ton of experience with TikTok. Is that like? Uh, is that is that social on a on a level that like people talk on TikTok? Like mm-hmm. they communicate with each other. Yeah. I, I know there's like videos and then replies to those videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um. So I mean, yeah, TikTok. I guess. Do you think they would probably be more relevant than something like? Instagram and Twitter? Facebook, for sure. I don't know about Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I think you would kick Facebook right off. Um, yeah, Facebook out of these four seems to be the least useful at this point. I personally view YouTube as more of just like a search engine than than a social media platform. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's built out that way. But I don't know if that's just kind of, you know, yeah. semantics. But, sorry, continue with your... your, your uh, your spiel, I interrupted oh, no, to say that we were no, showing our age. Oh, no, you're good. I think, well, I think that's good. I think TikTok should be included in this conversation. I am, I do not like yeah. have TikTok. I don't interact with it. I, I see the things that go super viral mm-hmm. and then that's, but I see them on other things. I see them on yeah. different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess if I want to be like cutting it, got to get on TikTok. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, Facebook, least useful. Mm-hmm. Instagram, honestly, like if we're considering YouTube, which I mean, compared to TikTok, it is similar like uh, you you have video content you have comment sections ways to discuss things and um share things um and there is like this i mean depending on what you do with your channel like people do stuff daily the live streams and things like that seems to me to be the most at least day-to-day useful out of all these yeah youtube is i would say the most useful for sure Mm -hmm. because like there's there's actually a function to it to Mm -hmm. where like you can have discussions with people in the comments and stuff, and yeah, they're probably not always the most um, productive. But there's not as much back and forth, so I feel like you have to think a little bit more yeah. rather than like if you're on uh, Twitter, you get that that notification like they replied, and then both of you are just on your phones going back exactly. and forth, you know. And there's not as much of that on YouTube, um, Twitter, and Instagram. I've been really th- those are the big two that I've been really considering m- my relationship with. Mm-hmm. So I think that Twitter yeah. is more useful than Instagram. Okay. Shall I make a case? Make a case. Let's hear the case. Well, just in terms of what I laid out earlier, you can keep up with a jazz game, um, you know, whatever political controversy is going on and the masked singer all at once. Um, whereas Instagram, it seems like these days, every other picture is an ad that I accidentally click on and go get sent to mm-hmm. an, to an ad page where now they have my information, which is mm-hmm. just great. Yeah. Um, and other than that, like I look at people's stories more than I scroll. The algorithm has completely fucked Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not interested yeah. in anything that Instagram shows me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like the top three pictures are usually good. Cause there's like 
those are your friends. Those are the ones that I'm going to see. That you interact with the most. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, it's like tattoo artists that I followed in 2012 when I first got an Instagram. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've not interacted with your account in how long and you're still just serving me this. Like, I just don't think Instagram really has much of a purpose. Yeah. And I, especially Instagram, I think was the easiest thing to let go of. Mm -hmm. Um, the stories were the thing that I was kind of addicted to. Um, Posts, I don't really see. I honestly don't see that many posts these days. Yeah. A lot of people are just doing the stories thing. Yeah. And again, that seems like something that TikTok is kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. And um, so with Instagram, like when Instagram came into our lives, which was almost like 10 years ago. Yeah. Over 10 years ago. Yeah. Know, when did you get your Instagram? Or your, yeah, your Instagram. Probably 2011. Towards the end of 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was kind of it was just like a simpler version of facebook where the reason why we got on facebook is like oh it's a cool new way to keep up with your friends and like that was the main thing yeah and i I like when you talk like when you when you you read interviews with facebook's developers and and stuff they they always talk about the magic moment of facebook which now is used as like a startup thing where it's like you need to find your product's magic moment Mm -hmm. and it's when the user falls in love with your product and for facebook that magic moment was you go on Facebook, you make an account, and based on your location, it would start suggesting friends or based on your email or you'd import your contacts. Yeah. And based on that information, it would pull up all the people that are all your friends on Facebook. And so the magic moment was putting that information in and then all your friends' pictures start coming up and you start seeing all your friends. And then, you know, you start adding them and you start mm-hmm. communicating all this. And it feels like that Facebook is gone. No, absolutely. Like that's not even like what it's for anymore. I don't even, I couldn't tell you what it's for yeah, anymore. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've been off Facebook for probably three years now. Yeah. And I I have a burner account for managing work-related things that yeah. are associated with Facebook. My real name is not on there. I have mm-hmm. zero friends. I don't have a profile picture. It's just for access. Um, and when I get on there, every time I get on there, I'm like, wait, how do I use, I have to relearn how yeah, to use this website. because they change it. Yeah. Um, so Facebook, I think, is dead. Instagram, yeah. Seemed like the simpler version of that. Keep up with your friends. Uh, now you're just doing it with pictures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can skirt that by doing the annoying uh, text in picture post yeah. where people write things. Um, usually apologies these yeah. days. Um, <laughs> but it made me think, just thinking about that and how we used to use Instagram and what it's geared towards now. It's like, do we? Do you care as much now uh, for keeping people up to date with what's going on in your life? the way that we used to with Facebook and stuff? No, not particularly. Because I think that it was in such a, it was in such like an infant stage Mm -hmm. that we were all kind of exploring it together. There's that, there's that joke from the movie Easy A where he's like, this guy had a Coke. Like, I don't care that you had a Coke Zero. Yeah. Like, and that's how we we used it. If you go back and look at Mm -hmm. like my 2010 Facebook posts, it really is just like eating Beto's, what's up? Just like yeah. using a lot of inappropriate language that I wouldn't use now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 just stupid. Like, yeah, it's yeah, and honestly, there's a group of people in my life that I'm like, I want to keep up with them, mm-hmm. and now it seems like uh, Facebook or or Instagram and Twitter, which are the main things that I use, first of all most of the people that I want to keep up with are like family members and friends. And a lot of them aren't our age. Yeah. So they're not on Twitter. Yeah. Everyone's on Instagram pretty much, but it seems like now if you're following those people on Instagram, it's an excuse not to actually keep up with them. Like I follow my cousins. Like I have cousins that live in Montana. I have cousins that live in Las Vegas. I follow those people on Instagram and stuff. And sometimes I just like think I would rather email them. And, Mm -hmm. or give them a phone call and say, what's up, what's going on? Let's just talk for a half hour. And, but that feels so weird. Like, doesn't it? It does. Have we been conditioned to stop? uh, I know you're a fan of phone calls. You like calling people. On occasion. It depends on my level of drunk, I think. (laughs) I love (laughs) a drunk talking, even one beer. (laughs) I will, I will talk to anyone on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I love, but like, it has to be someone (laughs) I know and it has to be the right sort of mood. Cause yeah. I hate phone calls sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah. But if it's like with the right people, I'm a big, big phone call fan. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it's, what I hate is an unannounced phone call. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I like, I like the hey, 
could I, could I give you a phone call or just a text, you know, Hey, could I give you, could I give you, do you have time for a call? Mm-hmm. Because then I'm like, I, then I get to, I get, I get to figure out my, my, my current situation and I make room for a phone call. Um, so it definitely is like a lot different than I it, it can't even, I can't even imagine like, and I lived through this in the early 2000s and 90s and stuff like that, where people used to actually just call you out of the blue. Yeah. Your phone in your house would ring loudly. Yeah. So everyone could hear it. And um, we're just so far past that. And I feel like part of it is that like social media has taken the pressure off that type of interaction. Mm-hmm. So it's like if we're following them, like we never have to tell, call anyone for their birthday. Yeah. It's all, it, uh, genuinely like when someone makes a birthday post, or something like that. If you comment and say happy birthday, you're off the hook. You're good. You're good. Like that's yeah. it. That's all you have to do. And so it just takes the pressure off of actually interacting with people. And so at this point, that's 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 all I thought I ever needed social media for was I got to keep up with the people that I want to keep up with. Uh, now looking at like my my Twitter and Instagram followers and the people that I follow, like people from high school and stuff like that that I like never talk to. I'm just like, I don't need that. Like, I yeah. don't need to keep up with those people and see what they're doing every day. Um, so now I'm like, is this only for promotion of things that I'm trying to do business-wise? Like, I think that's it. I think that's all I need social media for at this point. And I think I'll have better relationships just by calling people. Or And I know that's that, – I, th- I feel like that's going to take some, like, internal – adjusting like yeah. with like anxiety and stuff Some like that. Discipline. It, it feels weird to call someone up. Uh, but like, I feel like I'm going to have a lot better relationships with people. If I'm just like, Hey, I've been meaning to call you or e- even like an email, which is so weird that like we used to email each other just to talk. <laughs> I would love, I, I would love nothing more than like an email from a friend. Yeah. So if you're ever just bored at work, send me an email. I'll yeah. be excited about it. You're just like, Hey, just checking in, in the subject line. You're like, what? <laughs> you're checking in with me. Um, no, yeah, that would that's that's meaningful, and I, I I think that's it. I think I think that's the core of the conversation that we're trying to have right now, which is like whether it's politics or it's personal relationships or it's uh, Star Wars opinions. Mm-hmm. That uh, social media has taken all of like the personal nuance out of the equation, so you don't have to feel that connection anymore, which allows us to call each other fuckwads without any regret or remorse <laughs> on social media. Very true. When in person, you would probably never say that to someone. Um, so I'm just like, at, at, I get the, the, the question that I was going to end this with. was just like, what is it adding to our lives at this point? Yeah. I mean, probably just that, that, you know, that, that keeping up with the things I want to keep up with. Like I really do. <laughs> I really do think that like, a Sunday in October when mm-hmm. there are six different NFL teams playing, sorry, yeah. diff- six different NFL games pl- being played. Yeah. There is like fewer places that are more fun than like the people I follow on Twitter yeah. during that I would time. agree. I would agree. And so like, I love it for that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is taken away a lot. Cause even like what you were talking about with keeping up with people, you're keeping up with the public version of that person, the per- like the version of that person that they're really wanting to put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, whether when you have a conversation, there are there are physical and emotional cues where you can tell tell that someone is really you know mm-hmm. saying something different than they're saying. Yeah, um, that's not present on on social media where you get to curate your image so well. Yeah. So, I do think that we're, we're losing out on on quite a bit of mm-hmm. nuance. Is the big thing. Um, everybody is just really looking for that next slam dunk moment yeah. and they're incentivized to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're, we're missing out on probably a bit, a bit of connection, yeah. which is kind of hilarious given that it's for connecting. And so, and I like the idea of maybe making all, all social media plot, like just, it's like breaking them up. So it's like Twitter doesn't have the monopoly. What if they had a app that was just Twitter for football games Yeah, and that's it. And that's all the people talk. And then as soon as someone like is like Joe Biden, this you're like, do you know what app you're on, dude? Like if someone says that on letterboxd, no one's going to follow them. If they're going to be like ousted, it's like, you know, unless they have something interesting to say in a review about a movie that happens to be political or something like that. For the most part, everyone on letterboxd is pretty pleasant. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, I like this. I didn't. And I I love one sentence reviews that have nothing to do with the movie, but they're just like hilarious. Yeah. You know, like people 
find ways to be hilarious on any kind of app that you give them. And I, I mean, um, my partner uses Goodreads a lot as, and that's kind mm-hmm. of like letterbox for books. Yeah. And she really likes doing that, like going through people's reviews of books and same thing with movies. So I think maybe we just need to break them up into smaller niches because if you're focused on one thing instead of everything, yeah, then maybe you have a little bit of a, a higher chance of like a positive interaction. I think that's probably true. Um, so that was a lot. That was a lot to unpack about social media. Speaking of which, make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter <laughs> at Holy Hive Utah and on Instagram at Holy Hive Utah and on Parlor at. Ho- I'm just kidding. Not on Par- <laughs> We're not on Parlor. Um, yeah, follow us on all those things, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. That's going to do it for the podcast uh, this week. We will see you next week. Anything else, Dan? Just stay safe, everybody. Have fun. Bye.